almost said good morning there. We got there just in the nick of time. No one noticed anything. Good evening. It's good to see you all this evening. If you are outside, feel free to make your way in. Um, and let's just pray a little bit before we kick off in worship and in singing. Thank you, Lord, that you are here with us this evening, that we can be gathered here together in person with each other, singing praise to you, worshiping you, thanking you for your incredible and amazing grace that you have poured out upon us. So Lord, be delighted in our worship, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing some songs of worship. Would you stand and sing with us? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. 
Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. Take my place, that you will bear my cross. You lay down your life, that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Praise that when we first. 
going to continue thinking about God's amazing grace, to reflect on His amazing grace. And we're going to do it in a very specific way. Let's think about God as our Father since it's Father's Day. By the way, it's Father's Day tomorrow. Kids, if you're here and your dad's around here, you can turn them around and say, Hey, happy Father's Day. Okay, I heard like one or two. All right. Well, tomorrow, I expect to hear you say happy Father's Day to your dads. Let's talk about God as our Father. You know, sometimes it's easy to just think of it as, Oh, God's our Father. He loves us. He cares for us. That's all cool. But I want to go a little bit deeper this evening and think about this particular idea of adoption to sonship. We came across it earlier in the year when we looked at Romans chapter 8. So I want to read a portion of that starting from the middle of verse 15. Um, And it says this, The spirit that you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. That was from Romans chapter 8. When we are adopted into sonship, we experience the benefits and the blessings of the Son, of Jesus, the Son of God. So when God looks at us, He doesn't look at our righteous acts, which are as filthy rags, but rather He sees us clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Paul would write a similar thing in Galatians, and he would say that God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. So we have the very Spirit of Jesus in us. We will be glorified just as Jesus has been glorified. And here's a really profound thought. The love that God had for Jesus the Son from eternity past that's expressed through the Holy Spirit, the love that God has for Jesus, that's the same love that we get to experience from God when we're adopted to sonship. It's a love of God that we can't even begin to comprehend because it's so much bigger than any of us and has outlasted all of us. Jesus ate the Last Supper with his disciples, and we're about to partake in communion as well. And afterward, he prays to God the Father, and it's a long prayer. I'm just going to read the end of it. This is what he prays regarding all those who would believe in Jesus. In John chapter 17, I have given them the glory that you gave me. Jesus is praying to God. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and, listen to this, and have loved them even as you have loved me. So as we take communion this evening, on this Father's Day, remember that if we believe in Jesus, if we have been saved by Jesus, we are adopted to sonship, and God loves us the same way that he's loved Jesus from the beginning of time. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing truth that we have been adopted into your family 
and the blessings that you have poured out on Jesus, you pour out on us. When you look at us in our sinful states, you see us clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And we thank you for this love that surpasses all understanding, all that we could possibly hope to comprehend. But we praise you and we thank you and we can't wait to see you transformed and glorified forever. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this communion is for those who have accepted Christ as their Savior, has accepted Jesus as a Savior. If that's you, I invite you to come forward and take up the elements. I'll ask the first five or so rows to please stand, make your way forward, um, and take, bring the bread and the cup back to the chairs, and we will take it together. Let's remember that by Jesus' body, we have been saved and adopted into God's family. Let's eat together. God loves us as His own. Let's drink together. Would you please stand as we continue to sing and reflect on the God who loves us?
Lord, thank you that you hear us when we call out to you in prayer. And bless the rest of the service, I pray. Bless Pastor Chen as he preaches to us your word this evening, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, before you turn to take a seat, turn to someone around you, give them a smile, give them a wave. If you're a kid and you didn't say Happy Father's Day, feel free to say it now. Good evening, church. It's great to see you this evening. My name's David. This is Calvin Coe, and we're going to get to know him over the next few moments. You'll find out exactly why in a minute. But uh, Calvin, great to see you. Thank you, Dave. Uh, can you just tell, tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, uh, thanks, Dave. I've been coming to Subi for, I was thinking about it, probably close to 30 years now since uh, I was a little kid with my parents and now I'm, I'm married. I've got two boys of my own, Josh and Tim, who are now 16 and 14 and yeah, just been basically feels like I've been coming here my whole life. Now you've been recently appointed as the chaplain to the Subiaco Football Club. Uh, what does that involve? So I've been very passionate about sport. Um, people who know me know that I just absolutely love sport. So an opportunity came up uh, a few months ago when one of the South Fremantle chaplains and, and, and what the, it's the West Australian Football League, uh, for those who don't know, Aussie rules football, which is the iconic sport in Western Australia. So it was one of the, the last remaining clubs who didn't have a, a sports chaplain. So they approached me, they know I'm a, a church-going Christian from Subi area and being Subi Waffle Club, it made sense having someone around here and they said that, am I interested in becoming the chaplain of the, of the club? And I initially I was a bit shocked and didn't know what it involved and said, what, what's that all about? And essentially what it is is to provide pastoral support, um, Christian support for the whole footy club, is uh, essentially the, the players, the waffle players, the reserves, the Colts, so essentially the three teams. And, and really just, just to be there for them. I'm not, not a qualified psychiatrist or psychologist or anything like that, but just if, if any of the players need help, need support, someone to talk to, it's got nothing about selection, talking to the coach, which sometimes they might be afraid to do, something's bothering them, then they can just come and see me. So that's my role, to just give them that support and uh, be a friend, be a mate, essentially. As a Christian, what do you think you can contribute to the role? So when people come and see me, obviously the, they've got issues. Um, some might be not serious or anything like that, but there are opportunities there where they're often they're asking about faith, you know, what, what to do. Uh, where they're going and all that kind of stuff. So with that role entails that Christian support and the opportunity to profess that faith and, and share that experience with, with God and tell them what it's all about. And hopefully uh, in this role, I'm going to have the opportunity to do that. It's a, it's a long-term role and it's going to take some time to know all the players, but uh, it seems like it, it made sense with my passion for, for sport and football. What a great opportunity that you actually get to go into the lives of these young men who otherwise would probably not darken the walls of a church, but there you are, and if they have some issues, uh, the Christian gospel is there uh, for them. 
I know it's not a proselytizing role, but I do know after speaking to others that you will get lots of opportunities of young men coming and asking for advice and asking for counsel. So uh, what a great opportunity. Uh, last question is, it is Father's Day this weekend. Um, what, is, uh, what do you think about uh, being a Christian father? When you, when it, when you think the, of the idea of a Christian father, how, what, what comes to mind and how do you try and be a Christian father to your two boys? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is to, to be a, a good mentor. Um, they, they don't say they look up to you, but your presence is extremely important. They might not want you there most of the time as they grow up through puberty. I've realised that. They don't need me anymore. But I think just being there um, supporting them, encouraging them, being that good role model. Eventually, I think, I hope, it will make a difference down the track and um, having the right disciplines and right core values and, and loving God that hopefully they can see that um, maybe not in the short term but in the long run. Wonderful. I'm gonna, why don't you join me as we pray for Calvin in his new role uh, and ask the Lord would bless him and use him. Father in, uh, Father in heaven, I thank you for my, my friend Calvin, our brother, and I just pray, Lord God, that you would go before him into this role in the Subiaco Football Club. What a great opportunity that you have opened for him. And I pray, Lord, his, his presence there, his, his, uh, his presence, his uh, uh, stability in that club will draw young men to him, to ask him when things get difficult uh, when they have questions of life that they would come to him and that he might give them wise counsel we thank you for the football clubs across the city who employ christians as their chaplains and we pray lord that you might be doing your work through these men in these clubs and in the sports chaplains in all the different teams across our city and state but we pray now particularly for calvin we pray that you would bless him you would use him and Lord, we pray that we would see fruit from his work, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Calvin. Let's Thanks, give David. Calvin a round of applause. Thank you, Pastor David. And Calvin, we wish you all the best. A very warm welcome to Subi Church, um, and also a happy Father's Day weekend to all the fathers in the house. My name is Kanina, and I'm part of the staff team here at Subi Church. Well, thank you, children, for joining us for Calvin's commissioning. You can now leave to go to your Subi Kids classes. You might find one of these on your seats or next to you. This is a Connect card. And whether you're a regular um, or if you're new or visiting, you can go ahead and fill one in. Otherwise, you can also do that digitally using the QR code on the back of the chairs. There are also QR codes on posters in the back of the auditorium as well. At Subi Church, an important part of our worship to God is the giving of our offering. And we can give with joy. We can give with thanksgiving to God because of what he's done for us in Christ Jesus. So please join me and let's take a moment to pray for our offering. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and generosity towards us. Thank you that you care for us and that you've shown us your love to us in your Son, Jesus. We thank you for this living hope and good news that we can share in our communities and to our world. And so we ask for your blessing upon our givings that through them, the gospel of Christ might reach many. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
we have some upcoming events in the life of the church. Firstly, next Saturday, we have our community coffee morning. And that happens at 10 a.m. in the church cafe. As you know, this is a monthly outreach to our local Subi community, and we've been really encouraged by the people who attend. So that's happening next Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. in the cafe. Two weekends from now, we'll be celebrating our Subi Church 125th anniversary. That's over the 16th and 17th of September. So on that weekend, we'll be celebrating God's faithfulness to us in Subi Church. There is a dinner for those who call Subi Church their home on the Saturday, 16th of September. RSVPs are essential to help with our planning. And the last day to register for this dinner is tomorrow. So you'll want to do that. You can do that on your Connect cards. And uh, there is limited space, obviously, because we're holding it in church. Um, on the Saturday. So if you'd like to invite your friends or extended family to join us for the celebration, um, we, we ask that you would invite them for the Sunday services. They'll be running as normal, 9 a.m. and 10.45, um, but we ask that um, they would be invited to, the, to join us on a Sunday. And please note that on the 16th, there will be no uh, Saturday 5 p.m. service that will be replaced with the dinner. And last but not least, we have another new addition to our church family. Congratulations to Joel and Siumin Tan on the birth of their daughter, Michelle. Michelle was born two weeks ago and is little sister to Gabriel. So let's keep this family in prayer as they adjust to life as a new family of four. Those are all our announcements this week. Would you please now join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts to hear from God's word. Let's also pray for the fathers in our midst. Dear Lord, on this Father's Day, we want to thank you for blessing us with our fathers. Thank you for giving them strength for their work. Thank you for giving them wisdom to lead us and to teach us at home. Lord, thank you for loving them so that they are able to love us. Please continue to bless and guide them through your word and help them to be successful in your eyes. Please help them to become godly fathers, the godly fathers that you want them to be. We also remember um, those who don't have a fatherly figure in their lives. Please comfort them and show them today that there is a heavenly father who cares and loves them deeply. Lord, we also pray for those who have lost their fathers and for fathers who have lost their children. Please fill this weekend with good memories of the precious time spent together. And we pray that your strength and presence will be with them always. And we lift all these men into your hands. Thank you for making them a blessing and a part of our lives. Grant to them your joy. And Lord, may the work of their hands be fruitful. And may their lives speak of your goodness, love, and mercy every day. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus, so that we are able to call you our Father. Father God, prepare our hearts uh, this evening to receive your word this day. And please be with Pastor Chin as he preaches on Romans 15. May your spirit work powerfully through your gospel to touch our hearts, transform our minds, and motivate our hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll now invite Esther to come up for the Bible reading. Good evening, everyone. So this week's Bible reading is taken from Romans chapter 15, verses 1 to 13. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbours for their good, to build them up. 
For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May God bless his word. Thank you, Esther. Good evening, everyone. Good to be with you. Happy Father's Day weekend. I hope and pray that you know, fathers in the house would have a blessed weekend. Um, and I pray that you know, as we look and gather together as God's people, we look to God, our Father, who has loved us and given us His Son. Now, one of the things that we do as a church is to memorize a passage of Scripture together, and every month we have a new verse together. So this year we've been focusing on the attributes of God. So on your seat there should be a, a card that looks something like this, an orange card. For the month of September, we are focusing on the sovereignty of God, and we are looking at the passage from Revelation chapter 4. This is a great passage where... We have the 24 elders that are falling down before the throne of God, before the one who sits on the throne, and then they're crying out, they're praising God, and this is what they say. So we're going to read that together, and then we will memorize that together as a church. So let's read uh, this passage together. Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. It's a great passage because it reminds us of God and His sovereignty and how He has created all things. And because of that, He is worthy to receive all honor and glory and power. And as God's people, we want to be reminded of that, to, re to be reminded what kind of God we serve, what kind of God we worship. And we want to keep that always in our hearts. Let me say a quick prayer as we uh, read this passage and as we look at Romans chapter 15. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for this passage in Revelation. May we as your people memorize that scripture, let it take root deep in our hearts so that we are reminded always by your sovereignty, by your majesty, by how powerful and glorious you are. 
that we are here as your people to worship and praise you. And now as we approach Romans chapter 15, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight as we reflect, as we hear from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me start with this. What does, what does a wizard, an elf, a dwarf, two human beings, and four hobbits have in common? Now, some of you already know what I'm talking about, that, but that's a very diverse group of people, isn't it? You know, you have a wizard who is part of this group. The, he, is, he has knowledge beyond all the other eight people combined, and this wizard can wield some form of magic. You have this elf who is very skilled with his bow and arrow, immune to weak, uh, illnesses, does not age. And then you have a dwarf who, on the other hand, is great at using his axe. And then you have the human being. One of the human beings is the heir to the throne of the kingdom of men. And then the other human, the other guy, the other man, is a warrior, but someone who is tempted by illegitimate use of power to help his people. And then lastly, you have these four hobbits. Right? Four hobbits, they are peaceful people, happy to live in a corner of their world, but yet they get swept up in this adventure, in this quest. You cannot get a more diverse group of character than these nine people. Now, of course, many of you will recognize very quickly that's from the Lord of the Rings. It's from the Fellowship of the Ring. These nine characters, they make up this Fellowship of the Ring. And even though each one of them, they have very different backgrounds, very different um, characters, very different skill sets, they are united in one purpose. Right? This fellowship, this group of people, was formed with the sole purpose of bringing that one ring to be destroyed. And as we read their story, we will read of their failures, we will read of their struggles, we will ultimately read of their triumph at the end of the story. And we recognize that while each character was so different from one another, they all contribute in their own unique way to that one mission they had, to destroy that one ring. Right? They knew what they had to do. So even though on the surface, we, for example, we are not able to see how the hobbits, I mean, compared to the rest of them, how they were able to fulfill and accomplish the mission, we see as we read on, it was their tenacity, their resilience, their loyalty to each other, really, that enabled Frodo at the end to destroy that ring. They succeeded in their mission at the end with a diverse group of characters united by that one purpose. As followers of Jesus, we are united by one purpose, to bring glory and praise to God who has saved us in Christ by the power of His Spirit. And as you walked into church, hope, I hope and pray that you have noticed that we are actually a very diverse group of people. But even though through that diversity, we are all united in that one purpose through Jesus Christ, through the gospel of Christ. And that is what we are going to look at in Romans chapter 15. We are coming to the end of the book of Romans. And in our chapter, Paul, once again, he focuses on the gospel and how as followers of Jesus, we 
our lives and our focus should be on what Christ has done for us. That's what we're looking at today. And my prayer for you, my constant prayer for you, as we look through the book of Romans, as we go through this particular series, is that, you know, this series has been a refreshing and a blessing for your souls as it has been for me. As I prepare each sermon, God continues to teach me to keep my eyes upon Jesus, upon His goodness, despite all that's happening in our world today. And as a church, as you will come to see, we we'll always be remind, always need to be reminded of the gospel of Christ. So we're looking at Romans chapter 15, verses uh, 7 to 33. The first six verses of Romans chapter 15 are really Paul's conclusion all the way from Romans chapter 14, as we saw from last week. So last week we saw that he's talking about the strong and the weak in the faith, specifically talking about the relationship between the Jews and the Gentiles. Right? And he calls them to love one another, to respect one another. And then he concludes his discussion in the first six verses in chapter 15. Right? He says he calls both Jews and Gentiles to have one mind, one voice, glorifying God our Father. And that's how he concludes. And in Romans chapter 15, verse 7 onwards, he's basically summarizing everything that he's been talking about Jews and Gentiles throughout the whole uh, book of Romans. Because if you haven't already noticed, this theme of Jews and Gentiles, this theme of Jews and Gentiles is a prominent theme throughout the book of Romans. Right? He's drawing everything that he has said on that topic to a close here. And the rest of the chapter is his personal update about what's happening in his life and, and, and his plans in the future. And ultimately, all relates back to his desire and drive in the gospel. So we're going to read Romans chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. We had a Bible reading in the first uh, six, 13 verses, so I'm going to read from verse 14 onwards. Let me invite you to stand if you're able, and I'll read for, from verse 13 onwards to the end of the chapter. Listen to the word of the Lord. Romans 15, verse 14. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to in instruct one another. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I fully proclaim the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known, so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, as it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I've often been hindered from coming to you. But now there's no more place for me to work in these regions. And since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your com company for a while. Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there. 
For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So after I've completed this task, and I've made sure that they've received this contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in a full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. I pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea, and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will, and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. You may be seated. So hopefully you see our passage fits nicely once more into three points. So let's look at what Paul says. Point number one, so this is verses 7 to 13. We are united in the gospel of Christ. We are united in the gospel of Christ. So after all he talks about the relation between Jews and Gentiles, he concludes in this passage. Right, verse 7, look at that. Accept one another, more specifically Jews and Gentiles, accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Jews need to accept that the Gentiles, they are now part of the kingdom of God through the work of Christ. The Gentiles need to accept the Jews that they are an important heritage and part of God's salvation history. The Jews cannot look down on the Gentiles because they do not have their lineage or history. But the Gentiles cannot look down on the Jews and think that now they have more freedom because they know Christ than their Jewish brothers and sisters in Christ. Both groups need to accept one another because at the heart of the gospel message is that Christ has accepted all of us through His death, through His resurrection. And when we bring Christ in, that means that this message is not just limited to Jews and Gentiles. Right? It is for everyone who believes in Jesus. We need to accept one another, not look down at each other, because Christ has accepted us. In other words, we are united as one in the gospel of Christ. And notice this, united as one in order to bring praise to God. That is what we are here for, to bring praise to God. Our acceptance, our relationship with one another, our love for one another is to bring praise to God. And as we have seen throughout the book of Romans, this is something that God has planned since the beginning. It's not plan B, in God's plan of salvation. It's not as if God planned only to save one group of people, and then suddenly when Jesus comes, oh, suddenly He changes His mind. No, no, no. He always had Gentiles in mind from the beginning. Look at verse 8. He says, Christ has become a servant of the Jews, that is, He became the Messiah of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles may glorify God for His mercy. 
And then he goes on to quote different passages from the Old Testament that shows that Gentiles has always been a part of God's plan of salvation. Right? He quotes from 2 Samuel, he quotes from Psalm, he quotes from Deuteronomy, Isaiah, all trying to show that the Gentiles has always been a part of God's plan of salvation from the beginning. They are not an afterthought. So even though Jews and Gentiles, they have very different backgrounds, very different histories, we are all now one in Christ through the gospel. We are united in the gospel of Christ. That's one of his main points, if you remember from Romans chapter 2 and 3. Jews and Gentiles, both sinful before God, condemned before God, but both Jews and Gentiles now justified by faith alone in Christ alone. And therefore, Paul says, accept one another. You are not an afterthought. God already has us in mind from eternity past. For example, in Ephesians chapter four, verse uh, Ephesians chapter one, verse four, this is what Paul says: He, God, chose us in Him, Christ, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in His sight. No matter your background, no matter your history, no matter what you have done, we are all united in the gospel of Christ. Like with the fellowship of the ring, with all its unique and interesting characters. We're all different. We're all unique. We're all interesting in our own stories. Stories of God's faithfulness. Stories of God's goodness in our own lives. And as we look at that, as we look at what Christ has done for us, we accept one another in order to bring praise to God. And do you realize that our love and acceptance of one another brings praise to God in front of a watching world? Each of us with completely different backgrounds, completely different cultures, personalities. And yet through all of that diversity, through all of that differences, we can love, we can encourage, we can accept one another in Christ. That is unique in our world today. Do not underestimate the relationship that you have built in church with one another and the impact it has on you and the watching world. Because despite all the connectivity that we have, the digital connectivity that we have in our day, people are lonelier than ever. And so when people come into the church and they sense that deep love, that sense that deep acceptance that we have for one another, their souls cry out for it. They, they long for that kind of community. And it is only in the gospel of Christ that we have that. And when people realize that, it brings praise to God. It brings praise to God. We are united as one in the gospel of Christ. That's our first point. Second point. That's from verses 14 to 22. We are on mission for the gospel of Christ. We are on mission for the gospel of Christ. So as we come to the end of Romans, Paul has spent 14 and a half chapters talking about this gospel message that he, preach, that he preaches and he tells this to the church at Rome. And this is one of the very few times, as we read the letters of Paul, is where Paul has never met the church that he's writing to. Right? The, the church at Rome, they don't know Paul personally. 
And Paul has never spent time with them, as he did with many other churches. That means that they are not as familiar with the gospel message that he preaches. And that's why, above any other book, the book of Romans, is Paul spends time declaring, writing out, explaining what this gospel message that he preaches to the church at Rome. And so he hears about this church at Rome. He hears it presumably from his colleagues, from his friends. And so he starts this section with a polite acknowledgement about them and about their faith. Look at verse 14. I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Right? Even though he hasn't met them, he thinks the best of them. He thinks the best of them. Rather than being judgmental about them, right? as we read through the book of Romans, we can see they have issues with Jews and Gentiles, but Paul thinks the best of them. He recognizes that they are full of goodness, filled with knowledge. But yet as we read on, at the same time, he says, he has written things in his letter to them that presumably they would have, they would have known about, namely the gospel. Look at verse 15. He says, Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ to Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. And he goes on to say, Paul gave him a duty of proclaiming the gospel of God, the title, name of our series, so that the Gentiles might be an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Spirit. His life goal is to be on mission to proclaim the gospel of Christ. And so notice this again, right? He recognizes the people and the people of God in Rome, they're full of goodness, filled with knowledge. Presumably, they know the gospel very well. And yet, he preaches and reminds them of that same gospel in his letter. No matter the maturity of our faith, we will always need the gospel. And as we have said there are many times in this series, we never move away from the gospel. We never move away from the gospel. We go deeper into the gospel. This is a constant in all of Paul's letters, where he will bring out the multifaceted brilliance of the gospel, and he applies that to the people that he's sending, to his readers. And this is what he spent his entire life doing to preach the gospel in all of His glory to anyone and everyone who would listen. Let me read verses 17 onwards. And sense His heart, sense His desire here. Verse 17. Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, I fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. We get a glimpse into the heartbeat of Paul. This is what drives Paul and all that he does. If it is not about preaching the gospel, he is training others to preach the gospel. If it is not that, he's writing letters about the gospel to different churches. This is the one thing that drives him above all else. His mission to preach Christ to those who do not know Him yet, in a place where the gospel is not known. Verse 20, 
It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. That is his life goal. Paul's life goal. What is yours? What is yours? How does your life goal matches up to Paul's? Now, when I ask that question, I'm not asking us to have the same life or same kind of ministry like Paul, right? God has uniquely given Paul the responsibility and the gifts to plant churches, particularly to the Gentiles, raise up new leaders, courage in making Christ known in his hostile world. No, 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 Paul is not. God is not asking us to be like Paul in that way. But what I'm asking is, do we have the same goal in life as Paul? His heart is always on mission for the gospel of Christ. No matter what he does, he's always thinking about how he can preach the gospel where Christ is not known. That is his ambition. That is his goal in life. What is yours? What is the mission and purpose of your life? Now, maybe you are here, you are not a follower of Christ. You are here because maybe a family member invited you, a friend invited you, and you're just being polite by saying yes to come and visit us. Maybe this time, by this time, you're bored by this guy on the stage talking. Well, let me just say thank you for coming, taking time out of your weekend. Can I just encourage you to think deeply about this question? This question that I just asked, what is the purpose of your life? What is your life goal? And once you've answered that question, let me ask this question. What is it about that answer that is worth devoting your entire life around it? And for those of us who are followers of Christ, there's one person, one thing in our entire lives that's worth devoting to. The gospel of Christ. Our mission in life is to make the gospel known to everyone, to make Christ known to everyone. We are on mission for the gospel of Christ because Christ is worthy. That should be the overarching mission and goal of our lives. Again, that's not to say that everyone here should be going into full-time paid ministry. Some of you definitely should, should be thinking and considering that because God has given you the ability and the desire to do so. But for many of us, being on mission for the gospel of Christ is accomplished through our daily lives. And there are many things and many ways that we can be intentional in our daily lives to be on mission for the gospel. One simple way that I heard from a pastor is that he would go to the same hairdresser every single time, or he will go to the same cafe every single time. Because every time he goes there, he, will, he makes it the point to slowly build a relationship with the people there. And through these relationships that he can begin to share about his Christian faith and what it means to him. Right? Very intentional. Another very simple way, very simple way, is start by inviting your neighbors over for me and get to know them. Build a relationship with them. Show them what it means to be a follower of Christ. And when the opportunity arises, tell them about your faith in Christ. The idea is that we are 
intentional about our faith, always thinking about how we can build relationships with people around us so that we can show them who Christ is. Now, of course, there's a danger when I say things like this because sometimes we begin to think of these people as our evangelism project. No, no, no. We must never do that. People are not a project. They are human beings made in the image of God. So what do we do? We love them. We show interest in them. We get to know them. We pray for them. And in building our relationship with them, through these relationships, we get to tell them about Jesus. Right? Being intentional, being on mission for the gospel of Christ. We are on mission for the gospel of Christ. That's Paul's example to us. Let's go to our last point. Point number three, from verses 22, 23 to 33. We are partners together for the gospel of Christ. We are partners together for the gospel of Christ. This is where Paul lays out his missionary plans. Finally, he's free to visit them after all his missionary efforts elsewhere. But he's not planning for a long stop at Rome because he's planning to go to Spain. And on the way to Spain, he's planning a stop at Rome. Look at verse 23. But now there's no one place for me to work in these regions, and since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Before he does that, he, wants to, he is on his way to Jerusalem to help God's people there. Right? He has collected um, offerings from churches in Macedonia and Achaia to be given to the church in Jerusalem, right? There has been a famine, and the people of God in Jerusalem, they are struggling. And the church in Macedonia and Achaia, they are very, very pleased to uh, contribute, to help out the church in Jerusalem. Right? The Jews, the Gentiles are now sharers in the spiritual blessing of the Jews, so rightly so, the Jewish, Jews should be sharers in the material blessings of the Gentiles. And so when he has visited Jerusalem with all this offering, then he comes and visits Rome. Remember what he's been talking about, right? Remember what he's been talking about, Jews and Gentiles. We are now citizens of the same kingdom of Christ in the gospel of Christ, united as one. And therefore, as brothers and sisters in Christ, when we hear about our brothers and sisters in Christ in another country and they are struggling, then we want to be able to help them through that. We're partners together in the gospel of Christ. As a church, we are united with other Bible-believing churches as partners together for the gospel. And we see that here when Paul talks about his plans. They are united as one for the gospel as partners in the gospel. A few weeks ago, a number of the ministry team and I, we, we all went to the Perth Gospel Partnership Conference, the annual conference. And in that conference, we were spending time together with other like-minded gospel-centered churches and all their ministry team. We were there, we were encouraging one another, learning from one another, praying for one another. It was such a great time together because it reminded us as a team, that we are not alone as a church. We're partners together with all the churches in Perth, hence the name, Perth Gospel Partnership, that we are here 
partners together for the gospel, the gospel of Christ. Not only that, there is also unity across the global church. Because the churches that Paul mentions, they're all from different cities, different regions. But they're all supporting one another, helping one another, even though they're so far away. And so when we hear of our brothers and sisters in Christ, they're going through tough times, well, we ought to be supporting them when we can. And one of the wonderful blessings, wonderful blessings here at Subi Church is that God has so blessed us with material blessings. And as a church, we praise God that Subi Church has always been such a generous church whenever there's such a need. From compassion to pregnancy problem house. And I praise God for that. Praise God for that because we recognize that we are partners together in the gospel of Christ. And we want to keep supporting our brothers and sisters in Christ when we can. But there's one other way of supporting our brothers and sisters in Christ, of supporting churches, is through our prayer. We must not overlook the importance of prayer. Look at what Paul says in verse 30 onwards. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea, and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will, and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. The Apostle Paul asked for prayer. And he's asking for prayer from a church that he has not met, and a church that hasn't met him. And so another way that we support our brothers and sisters here in Perth and here throughout, throughout the world is through our prayers. Now for some of you, maybe you find it hard to give financially to some of these causes. And that's okay. That's okay. Don't feel guilty that you can't. But what we can always do is pray for our brothers and sisters. And in praying, we're joining with them in their struggles. Like what Paul says here, I urge you to join me in my struggle. How? By praying to God for me. We can always pray as a partner in the gospel of Christ. Right? We are partners together for the gospel of Christ. And so as we think about all these things, let's go back to the start of the sermon, when we look at the Fellowship of the Ring, made up of a ragtag group of characters from completely different backgrounds, united in one purpose, each of them with unique contributions towards the goal of destroying that one ring. And as we read on towards the story to the end, it is not only them individually that work together to do so, they gathered up groups of people, groups of armies to help them in their quest. And in the end, they are able to defeat the armies of Sauron, have the one ring destroyed, because they're all partners together for that one purpose. Not just individually, but together as groups of people coming together. And in the end, it was the most unlikely, most unwarrior-like hobbit who managed to destroy that one ring with the help of everyone around him. That's 
the same as our Christian life, isn't it? We are such a diverse group of people here from different cultural backgrounds, from different countries, speaking different languages, but yet we're united in the gospel of Christ, knowing that we are all sinners saved by sheer grace, sheer grace in Christ. Because of that, we are on mission for the gospel of Christ. We want to make Christ known, to bring praise to God together, proclaim the gospel message to all the world. But we don't do it by ourselves. We do it as partners together for the gospel. And one way we can do that is pray. One way we can do that as partners in the gospel is pray. So what I'm going to do now is really invite you to pray silently right now as we end for ourselves as the people of God and also really for the churches that you know that preaches the gospel. Pray for God's faithfulness to be upon them. Pray that these churches will continue to proclaim the gospel faithfully for generations to come. Let's end with that and then I'm going to lead us in prayer and then we will worship and sing praises to God. Let us pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you for the gospel of Christ. And because of that gospel, we can turn to you, pray to you, boldly approach your throne of grace as a people united, united in Christ, with Christ as our King. And so Father, we ask and pray that by your Spirit, you would Help us to be on mission for this gospel. That our lives, the purpose of our lives, will be to proclaim this gospel by any means necessary to the people around us. And also recognizing that we have brothers and sisters in Christ, not just in this church, but throughout churches in Perth, churches throughout the world. And we want to pray with and for them right now. Father, we want to pray for the churches that we know. We want to pray for Wilson Christian Church where Jordan is now at. We praise you that they do exist and that they're proclaiming your gospel. And we pray for the churches here even at Zubi, St. Matt's, down the road. We pray that, Lord, you continue to be with them, bless them, Help them to keep proclaiming your gospel faithfully. We pray for Providence City. We pray for the people Rory serving there. That you continue to uphold him, help him to lead that church faithfully, always reminding them of the gospel. And we pray for all the churches here in Perth where as the people of God, we want all of them to continue proclaiming the gospel of Christ. Lord, we praise you that now as a people we are united together, we can approach you. And now we are saved. Saved before you because of what Christ has done. By your spirit we ask and pray.
pray that you continue to remind us of these great truths and that we can be once again be on mission for Jesus Jesus who is worthy Jesus who has loved us and given himself for us in his name we pray The gospel has been passed down from generation to generation for the past 2,000 years. And this last song we're going to sing is sometimes called the Creed because it follows the Apostles' Creed that was written early on. So would you stand with us? We're going to sing and we're going to proclaim the gospel of our God.
I believe in the saints communion and in your holy church I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again for I believe in the name of Jesus I believe in God our Father I believe in Christ the Son I believe in the Holy Spirit our God is believe in the resurrection that we will rise again for I believe in the name of Jesus for I believe for I believe in the name of Jesus for I believe in the name of Jesus If you're here this evening, you need prayer, please feel free to come to the front. Pastor David and I will be around. We'll be more than happy to pray with and for you. And I pray as always that you are blessed this evening and be reminded of the gospel promise of Jesus Christ. Let me end with this benediction. May God the Father who has united us in the person of His Son, may He empower us by, the power, by His Spirit to fulfill the mission that He has called us to. To Him be all glory. Amen.